Good morning. This is the 3CR Gardening Show, and I'm Virginia Hayward. With me in the studio is Craig Wilson and Jane Tonkin. I do the botanic gardens, I do um, plant trust, and I have a large garden myself. Craig Wilson runs Gentiana Nursery, and Jane runs Tonkin Bulbs. The three of us hope that we can offer you lots of interesting stories this morning. Good morning, Jane. Good morning, Virginia. How are you? I'm excellent, excellent. Good morning, Craig. Good morning. <laughs> Dandyong Rages Garden Mafia yeah. here today. <laughs> it is absolutely true. We are yeah. all from around... I'm from the back of the ranges in the Yarra Valley, and these two are both from the Dandenong Ranges. So, tell me something interesting that you've been doing, you two. Busy time of year in mm-hmm. the garden. Yep. Imagine Jane's collecting seed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, lots of um, like seed on the Moraes and those other South African things like Romulea and um, seed collection is always fun and having your own fresh seed for production and uh, increasing stocks is always the best way to go. I and think. it's such yep. a pain. You've, yep. you've got to be out there every second day. <laughs> Make sure that the pod hasn't popped. That's and right. Yep. And then, yep. then you get out there and it's popped and it's yep. scattered all over the ground. And yep. <laughs> and then you've got to pick them up. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yep. Whereas, of course, I'm exactly the opposite. I went up to see Craig yesterday and took home seeds and scattered them. <laughs> yep. It's erythronium seed. Oh, excellent. So you just threw them around? Yeah. In the gut. Great idea. I yep. moved the mulch so they actually hit the dirt. dirt. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Fabulous. So well, my, my fun thing as well was your open garden last weekend, Virginia. It was fabulous. And Virginia was lovely enough to invite me to come and sell some stuff at her open garden. Um, and we got to meet some really, really interesting people. I got to meet a few, um, couple of customers that have been on my list for years. Um, and I think most, most of the feedback was very, very positive. Like people were so excited and, and loved walking around Virginia. So that was good. There was a couple of ladies that were, um, looking at the big clump of gladiolus you've got down the front. Um, and which I colour? It's got the um, magenta striping on the lip, and I think it's got to have angustifolius in it somewhere. And I was so excited about it. And I said, oh, well, you know, you could possibly go and see Craig. Oh, we're going up there later. (laughs) So there was was quite a few people that I think were then going to Gentiana afterwards, which is always fabulous to hear. But they, they were a hoot, these two girls, um, because there was a gentleman that lives down the road from them that has all these ixias out on the nature strip and they've dropped all these hints about wanting to, could, could we possibly um, share some and I get a sort of gruff response. So, But you, you hear all these funny gardening stories and things in the, places like that. The ixias in my garden are just, because oh, I stunning. totally clumped them by colour, so only yeah. one yep. colour sits by itself which means they come out like the really the wild one, which is the most extraordinary um, blue, mm. so aquamarine blue with a, a, a navy, deep navy, navy. centre. Yep. It comes out first, and then the white one comes out, and then the duck egg blue one comes out, and then the pink one comes yep. out, mm-hmm. and they all sit separately so that all of them make a statement when they do it. Yeah, and you've got some fabulous size clumps too, Ginny, mm. of those. Um, I've seen them in the past as well, but the pink one along the side of the house was still in flower and it was just wafting around in the breeze because it was a little bit windy on the Saturday morning to start with. But mm. 
um, that, yeah, they, they just add this beautiful feature to the garden. And next year, you just leave them in the ground. You don't, you don't have to do anything to mm. them. Well, see, I um, won't plant a tulip. I'm not prepared to take things out. Well, you need to do species tulip. That's yes, right. absolutely. <laughs> Come and dig up some tulip saxatilla. Yes. Ah, oh, that's yeah. stunning. That yeah. pink with that brilliant yellow, gold yellow centre. Yes. And when it opens on a sunny day, it is a gorgeous little thing. Yeah. I have got some species tulips in. I don't find they multiply like other things Saxatilla swirl. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a little yeah. bit stoloniferous, really, isn't it? Is, it is, yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of the species tulips, you don't want to have to lift them either because they pull themselves down. That's they right. do these little droppers, so the main bulb, um, when it's making a, another increase, it actually makes this dropper that can go sort of 10 centimetres lower than the main bulb that you had. So digging them can be a little bit of a task. So And dangerous. Yeah. Because you actually don't get the spade digging deep, deep enough, enough and to immediately go yep. through yeah. the bulb. Yep. Yes. I find with some of my daffodils that they tend to come up, which is a bit irritating. Yeah, push up a bit, mm. yeah. Um, there would be the new bulbs piling on top yeah, of it. Yeah, they the probably need to be. See, this time of the year, um, your daffodil foliage is all dying down and people say, oh, it looks ugly. And But you can go out and just pull the old foliage off and things. And if you do notice like that, that your clump is somehow getting exposed, now would be, you know, from now on through into the end of January to lift them and... Um, transplant and mm. well, you know, if you d- if you haven't got enough room to plant them all back, give some to your neighbours or the local garden club or something. And mm. but yeah. I always tell people not to take the green uh, daffodil leaves off because that needs to get back into the yes. Bowl. But once they start to, because they're starting to go off yes. yellow now, mm. you wait till all that goes yellow, and it's then it's easy to pull off. It's not. Yes. Um, but yeah, the green definitely needs to go back into feed. Once they start yellowing off, I mean, I've got them in the lawn at Long Acres and I just put the mower over them now. Yeah, that would be... They're deteriorating. I think they're finished. Done their bit. Yeah. Mm. I tried planting them in the lawn at my place and it just... I mean, admittedly, it was a long time ago, so it was during the drought. Yeah. But it just didn't work. And I sort of decided, without referring to any experts, so it's probably quite wrong, but I thought, well... When I put them in the garden or when I put them under the trees, under the mulch, they were okay. But the ones that I put in the grass just didn't work. And so I just figured that this... I tend to have, you know, what I call Australian grass. I don't tend to have those Northern European soft grasses. I think it's your garden telling you that a lawn is a waste of time (laughs) and a waste of space. Well, my... More garden beds, Jim. I'd I'd try again, and I wonder if it was anything to do with the varieties. Could be, yeah. Or the variety of the grass. You don't think it's the grass? No, it's no. not pushed no. or anything. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I will try again. Yeah. Although I won't do it in the same way because I don't, again, it's that look. I don't like leaving the grass for a really long you time. Have uncut. Yeah, you have to leave it uncut. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I'll limit Down I'll do amongst it. the lemons, somewhere down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a ring around the bottom of the lemon trees. We, we can leave them and it doesn't matter if the, the grass gets a bit long. It's, it's only until now. I mean, I was, yeah. I was thinking of putting, when I saw the way you were treating the seeds from the bluebells, I was thinking of putting bluebells under my lemon tree. Oh, yeah, yeah. He didn't like that. <laughs> it, 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 he people can't see his face. Was just, <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, yesterday I was wandering around his garden pulling out um, sticky weed. Yep. And he was much more interested in getting the seed. Taking the seed off the top of the The bluebells. Yeah. 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 And I love the bluebells. I Mm. can't have too many bluebells, can I? Well, yes. (laughs) Craig says yes. The the problem, I think, now in Australia is that we don't have um, any pure endymium non scripta, the English bluebell, because the Spanish ones are so prolific and cross-pollination and things, um, there's not that. If if you could guarantee having English bluebells under your lemon trees, I'd be all good for that too. But um, they, the, My issue with them is that they flower for a week and then you have this foliage <laughs> for two months, <laughs> which is appalling. It's not particularly impressive, is it? No. no. But... Um, but the, the smell of proper bluebells is divine. But I'm still not. I'm not selling it to him, am I? No. <laughs> I like the Spanish bluebells. Yeah, but I suppose you are right. It's that thing, you know. I love flowers, which is actually a problem in the garden because I've got things like the cantua, the pride of the Incas, which is a big shrub. You mm-hmm. know, one of my the the. The violent pink one is, oh, it's above my head. It's a big shrub, and it's an ugly shrub. And I grow this thing because it has these absolutely fabulous flowers. In For how long? Yeah. <laughs> Not um, terribly long. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that's like daylilies. They're called daylilies. Yes, but they do yeah, keep, they do keep, coming, keep back. coming. Yeah. Yes, they do keep coming. But they need food and water. Yeah. They, yeah, as much as um, they can be sold as some sort of drought tolerant no. daylilies, they do so much better with yeah. a lot of water. So, um, you know, even around your pond or wherever it's quite moist, um, mm. perfect for those. But anyway, yeah. we digress. Sorry. Well, well my daylilies are looking fabulous, and that's because yeah. I've had we've had spring glorious rain. Glorious yeah. rain. Yeah. yeah, and then there are some nice ones. There are. Yeah. Yeah. For the first time, how long have I been back? I lived for Lon- in London for 20 years. I've been back 20 years. For the first time in that 20 years, I have been heard to say, oh, no, not more rain. rain. Yeah. Now, I said that day in, day out <laughs> when I was a London. So what's your mouth Look, I, I think this spring I've been known to go, oh, same thing, again. And um, I actually went and purchased some of the really big tarps from a big store and um, to put over some of this summer dormant stock because it was just the boxes were getting just getting wet. too wet mm. because mm-hmm. normally they'd be starting to dry out as they're dying back and everything and I, I was deeply concerned that I'm going to end up you know, with, rotting. with rotting bulbs yeah. in them. So. Well I haven't moved mm. the tropiolum out of, and I thought of it yesterday, yep. I must get that tropiolum out the you know the it, one the tricolour yeah yep. Yep. that flowers in late late winter yeah because if they get wet they'll just yeah they can um, so yeah just tip it out of the pot or, or I'd move the pot move the pot mm. yeah just move the pot and Stephen actually grows it in the ground yep underneath a big hedge well the hedge is probably and so the hedge enough takes of the moisture yeah mm. yeah because that's along his fence as you walk into the nursery isn't it that no moment. i don't know if he does it there he does it at home okay because it i'm sure there's one at the nursery too right. as you walk in the fence is on your right hand side and i'm sure tricolor's been across that it's all the, the way across the fence like for it's people stunning. who are listening that's it's um a climbing nasturtium it's a much smaller flower than the nasturtium but mm. it has that bright bright orangey color and it's just beautiful yeah and flowers because it flowers late winter it's flowering when there's not a lot out 
And when we're talking about things not lasting a long time, it, that flowers for over two months mm. um, and then just dies back down. Um, sometimes if you do shift them or whatever, they can be a bit finicky for the first year. Like it, it, it will grow, but it might not flower. Um, so they have a little bit of a sulk occasionally. But, um, and they need a dry summer. Yep. They need a very dry summer. Mm. Yeah. And but I they can start to move by the end of January when we have that first rain as well. I used to see a tropiolum in Scotland that was absolutely stunning, but it can't have been that because it's always wet in Scotland. Oh, well, it might be one that's able to handle the moisture. What yes. colour flowers? Was it the blue one? I can't, no, it wasn't no? blue. It wasn't okay. blue. I can't remember, of course, because it was so long ago. Yeah. But it was very, very... One, and it's, but I tr- I've tried growing the tropiolum in the ground and I can't do it. Yeah, because it, it, people will know most famous climbers, let's go with clematis or something, but there is these other climbers out there that you can get into that are just as magic, maybe not as impressive flower size and things, but there's some great climbers that you can We have, a go have at. got a new clematis breeder yes. in the Dandenongs, which I think next year we might find some that... Gentiana and some of the nurseries around us have got some good clematis that are not at quite such an extensive price. Because yep. when I'm in London, I can buy clematis for four pounds. That's oh. not even ten dollars. Yeah. So I, and I I tend to buy them from Tessilars because theirs are not so expensive. And these yeah. are the large flowered ones, is it? Yeah. Well, any of them. But yeah. in uh, in London, I mean, no, the, no, this the, is the really gr- common ones you can get for a pound. Yeah. Oh. With the grower. That you've met. Yes, she's, they've got lovely big, big flower okay. ones. Mm. So right. I'm quite excited. So I'll be telling you all about that in the spring, Excellent. gang, out there. Good. Because, and because I, I find clematis quite easy to grow. People were stunned by some of my clematis, although I must admit I have got a rather bad repetition of deep, deep purple clematis. They're everywhere. Why yeah. didn't I it buy some It is a beautiful other... one, though. But I yeah. do... Yes, you Why are right. I it buy is. other colours? <laughs> this is Gypsy Queen and the like. I don't, I don't know which one yeah, it is, but it's everywhere. I've got it in, in about five different spots. But it is a really dark purple, so yeah. you'd be right. And that's everywhere. I, I need variety. But I do not find clematis hard to grow. And I think there's two rules on clematis. It must be planted in a shady, cool spot, and it must be planted. It's one of the few things you plant deeper than what you buy it. Yep. See, I would disagree with that. I'd say you plant lots of things deeper than what you buy it. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Get them in there. Mm. Because last time we were on, we were talking about um, planting, was it colchicum or something, I think. Um, So the autumn crocus, forgive me, they're not a crocus. But but everyone knows them as autumn crocus. And and Craig was saying, you know, he plants them about 10 centimetres deep or, or something. Um, and I think, you know, there is an advantage to, and especially with the clematis and things like that, is that it keeps the root system cooler. That's right. Um, and certainly as climate change is affecting us more, yeah. these are the sort of processes that we might have to go through to be able to still have a rewarding garden. And, and there's consistency of soil temperature. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Giving them in deep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I do that with all the bulbs, really. Mm. Well, when you think about it, that is... The, the logical way to heat and cool our houses yeah. is to run the water in the um, in, in the heating system, run it deep through the earth, mm. which will take it down to about 19 degrees, which is perfect in summer, or take it up to 19 degrees, which is perfect in winter. That's what they do a lot of yeah. that in Britain, whereas mm. we don't tend to do it here. No. So we treat our bulbs the same as British central heating. <laughs> <laughs> 
We'll call it that now. The yeah. British central heating method. Yeah. This is the and, trick. of course, clematis like food. Mm. I never feed mine, ever. Try it. Mm. <laughs> Not sure she needs to. <laughs> <laughs> If you see it, no, yes, Craig, I agree. Feed it, Jen. Okay, mm. I will feed it. Yeah. I, I do think we overfeed our gardens. We overfeed? Mm. I don't know anybody that feeds enough. Oh, Except me. <laughs> and me. <laughs> and not me. Yeah. I think I'm a bit, I mean, my soil is very clay. Yeah. I mean, clay's got food in it, sand hasn't. If you've got sandy soil, obviously you have to feed but it. If you say the dissector maples, mm. The colour when you feed them changes. So it's much, far more intense? Much richer. Yeah. 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 Well, there's a really good hint. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, feed, and you'll, you'll notice a difference, even if it doesn't make them grow stronger. What would you feed those? Matt, I'm, I'm just interested for myself here right now. Campbell's Organic Life from, yeah, from uh, Muir's. Perfect. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a great fertiliser. Great fertiliser. Yeah. Which yeah. won't be av- available to everybody out there. No, but it's an organic... Yeah, um, it looks chicken it's, yeah. manure type But it has a bit of um, sea product in, in it, it as, as well. well. Yeah, yeah. You'd be able to get some sort of generic version of that at your garden centres and things. Yeah. Um, Neutrog, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But it's it doesn't have, it's not one of those sort of chemical pelletised ones that you can... Well, this is to. the thing, is to actually see that you're getting the, the more gentle ones, which are not... Mm. And, of course, organic... When you're buying an egg, means one thing, but organic when you're buying fertilizer means a totally different thing. Means yeah. a totally yeah. different thing. It's also about soil improvement. Mm. Well, actually, that's what you're doing, isn't it? You're feeding your soil. You're yeah. not feeding your plants. See, so I love blood and bone. That's my favourite. Yeah, but it's so expensive. I know, but I'm a plant flower. I mean, I've used about ten bags of organic life this year so far. So yeah, but if you had to buy ten bags of blood and bone, and yeah. um, you'd die. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a great fertiliser. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be visiting the bank manager. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's important. This is the 3CR Garden Show. I'm Virginia Hayward, and with me are Craig Wilson from Gentiana Nursery and Jane Tonkin from Tonkin Bulbs. If you would like to text us, the number is 0488 809 855. And we are actually in the studio. Yay! So you can ring us on 9419 and and... Um, Matt will put you through to us and we will talk to you, which is something we've got out of the habit of doing. And if you want to send us an email for next week, gardening at 3cr.org.au. That's gardening at 3cr.org.au. And for the text line 0488 809 Well, Jane, you've brought in some flowers. Yeah, well, it's sort of easier than bringing pots, I think. Um, and I'd make an attempt to steal pots. <laughs> right, just open your boot, Jen. Oh, good. Um, I've brought in some iris, and these are iris insata, so the Japanese water iris. It used to be iris camferi, um, or they used to be commonly called mahigo iris as well. Um, anyway, iris insata, so um, revered in Japan, like... Uh, which is where most of the breeding's been done, although there's a couple of great breeders in America. But um, for over five centuries, Japan's been playing with these beautiful iris. Now, they call them Japanese water iris because they do like to have wet feet. So um, along the side of a pond is great 
position so that the fleshy roots from the rhizome can go down into the water. Um, they don't particularly like to sit in water over the winter, have, but having said that, they sit in my ponds in pots all winter and they're okay. They do like a lot of food um, as well to grow better. Craig's nodding at me too. Um, but using sort of your um, organic plus or something like that might sort of change the consistency of your ponds now. <laughs> um, so I would suggest for these that you use one of the like slow-release osmocotes or those sort of things if you're feeding them. Um, fabulous cut flower. And they come in either sort of a, what they call a single or a double, so depending on the amount of um, petals. So the ones I've got in here today have only got the three petals, um, but otherwise the, the standards then um, become a fall, basically, on the double ones. Um, they're big petals. Too. They're huge petals. It's one of the biggest iris that you can grow. Um, and it's just something that's a bit different for biowater, um, area, which, you know, companion planting with that would be something like a stilby or... Um, a runcus. Some, a runcus, that, that mm. kind of thing. Um, Philopendulas, those... They're very decorative with their leaf forms and things as well as those feathery flowers on top and things, and they just I, waft I around. I love a stilby. I used to plant yeah. a lot of the stilby when I lived in London, but mm. I don't plant them now because, again, so much of my... I came back into drought, lived drought, lived drought. Down by your dam, Virginia, but, a stilby would be... But it's probably too sunny as well. Too sunny uh, and yeah. also... In the drought, mm. the dam uh, becomes so yeah. much smaller mm. that all that things get stranded. Mm. See, I have uh, stranded assets. So the the water iris will take full sun, but they'll also take afternoon shade as mm. well, as long as they've got morning sun. And that's the kind of position for your astilbies and things too. Mm. No full sun for astilbies because they just burn. Mm. If they're um, if they're if they're really moist, they'll cope with a lot more sun. Yeah, um, it's when they dry out. See, astilbie, what is it? Astilbie. Grandest, the, yeah. the really big, beautiful mm-hmm. one can actually sit in water, mm. um, and the leaves are a lot better off. I, I did purchase one from Wandon, from um, Ben and Kerry, and left it out on those hot days. Like the pot was damp, but the and then the leaves just went all crispy. So mm. you know, we, have we you rest, rest, did you? Yes, rescue? rescued. Um, it won't die on me. I won't let it. Um, <laughs> and it, they're just some of these fabulous. Um, sort of woodlandy type plants that you can uh, grow basically for flowers but also for the foliage. Like a stilby foliage is like there's one of the, I can't remember it now, it's got little purple foliage and it's a quite short so that can go at the front of a border or something. Um, ben the stilby praecox alba? Could be. Red, red foliage yeah, and yeah. then little white flowers. The there flowers more so like a runcus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. That gorgeous little thing. Yeah. yeah. Ben and Kerry had the best stall at yep. the plant fair. Those plant fairs that Wandana have now in April and in um, spring, yep. they're just they're fantastic. I thought Ben Kerry's stall was just yep. my. I've actually asked him to come on the show next year. He's going to come on twice. Good. Excellent, because he's, he's another person who knows heaps about air, a lot of plants as well as um, his landscaping side of things too. So um, he has that that eye. Yep. Of, of, you know the double skill, mm-hmm. and he and of course being in Gippsland, it's difficult for us to go and see his stuff regularly. So and from being in Gippsland too, it gives us a, a 
broader range of what people can grow. And, and Ben and Kerry will know what they can grow down in Gippsland, whereas for Craig and I from the Dandenongs, it, it's, we can have a, have a guess, but at least Ben will be able to say, yep, I can grow that. And there are quite a lot of um, yummy rare things that they are growing and doing it very well. We actually have somebody ringing Uh-oh. in. Isn't that exciting? We have Drew from Mont- Montmorency. Hello, Drew. Good morning to you, and it's lovely to be talking to you. It is. It's wonderful, isn't it? Yes, thank you. Um, I've got a couple of questions on cuttings. Uh, the first one is a Hoya I've uh, struck, and it's now three years on, but I'm yet to see any flowers. Is that a, just a matter of waiting, or do I need to be doing something else with it? Uh, no, I think they're slow, and, okay. and I think they don't like being disturbed once they've started i've got a couple exactly the same they've come from a friend's place they're probably only two years old but i don't expect flowers for a bit okay so just patience with that one thing i think so yeah and the other one is uh, in about june i struck um like we cut hard back one of our prostate hakias and i took five cuttings and they've all struck but i'm not sure when i should now move them on to the next stage um they're all doing fine but i'm just wondering how long you leave them in that initial pot just when the pot's full of roots i'd say when they come out in a a lump yeah when you Uh, see them coming out the bottom i mean with if we're lucky sue will be listening in and she will ring in and say this is what you do with hakias i don't yes and um if you're moving them without disturbing the roots a great deal i would thought they'd be fine I still think it's better to wait till you can. You've got a sense of there being quite a bit of root. So they're still in the in the in the propagating mix, are they? That's right. Yeah. Okay. When you, yeah, like Virginia said, when you see the roots coming out of the bottom of the pot. And is the is the next move into their individual pot and let them go again then before yep. I put them in the ground? Yeah. Yep. That would be my advice, but I'm not. No. That's terrific. Thank you. <laughs> Let's hope we've told you the right thing. <laughs> and and uh, I, I must mention, I reckon I've got, uh, I know people have done it before, but we've got our own bees, and I've been using the honey straight from the hive as the, um, uh, the um, uh, rooting gel, and it's uh, been fan so successful. I don't know if it's fresh honey or or what, but um, it's certainly working well. Well, the thing about your honey or the honey I buy from the old Italians up the road is that it's not treated. I yes, think it's cold. Yeah, yeah. and I, I must, it must be better for us using yeah. untreated honey on yeah. our... And they do say that it's really excellent for propagating. Mm. Yeah, well, I can confirm it. <laughs> thank <laughs> you very much for your help this morning. No worries, thank you for Thanks calling Because it's the season for doing cuttings now. Yeah. Um, full on. So t- tell us what we should be doing. Well, you, you have the, this flush of growth in the spring, mm. and when that starts to sort of harden a bit, so that when the soft, floppy wood becomes is halfway okay. to becoming firm wood, okay. that's when you do the cuttings. So pretty much now, on everything, it, it's yeah, busy time of year. Cuttings, cuttings, cuttings. Cuttings, cuttings, yep. cuttings. Mm-hmm. Pruning, pruning, pruning. Yep. So do you want to tell us about that hydrangea, Craig? Oh, this is Macrophylla nigra, hydrangea Macrophylla nigra. So it's the black-stemmed hydrangea, which I think is beautiful. It's not a big one, and in our soil, in the Dandenongs, it has these sort of iridescent violet flowers. 
It's a, it's a beautiful plant. It's all, it's all about the stems. It's about the stems. Yeah. yeah, and the stems in winter are lovely. Yeah. Yeah. And so when do you prune it? You'd leave it as late as possible in winter so you can look at its stems. Oh, look, yeah. Yeah, and, and like it's not a big one, so it doesn't need a lot of pruning. Mm. Yeah, but I, look, I start doing the hydrangeas mm, May, okay. probably, because yep. I've got lots of them. Mm. Um, it, it's got most beautiful green leaves, too. Like it, it well, what a the, year. The, oh, well, this is true. And it, and it probably comes down to that Craig fed it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> cereal feeder, cereal pruner. Yep. Grow and prune. <laughs> It's my gardening philosophy. Well, I think, I mean, the pruning is so important. I, you don't prune. I, lavender is a classic, and it, it applies to so many natives. But if you don't prune them, you end up with all this woody stuff that's ugly. Yeah. I, and with the French lavender, you can do... I prune my French lavender down to the ground, yeah. and they've come back beautifully. I mean, they're terribly ugly while they're coming back. But you have to do it annually. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have an old lavender and then prune it down to the ground. I did. You, you did? Uh, but French. Yeah. If you did it with the Angusta, the English, the Angustifolia or the Italian, I think you'd be up that Might quick. be in a bit of trouble. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but I was really surprised at how well they've done. And the salvias. I mean, even now the salvias are in full flight. I'd give them a big hard chop. Mm. I really have my eye on autumn with the salvias. That's true. Because okay. um, yours are all in full yes. colour now, too. Yes, and I, I pruned my winter ones. I half pruned them so, so, um, because they really need to be pruned, but I wanted people to be able to see how high mm. they were, uh-huh. and they've still got a couple of flowers up the top. But, yes, I'll be getting them right down now, finishing them. And I've, there's a couple of uh, – the salvias up my driveway I tend not to prune. And so I'm going to – Prune some of them really hard this year, which means I mean, and I mean hard, yeah. which means I'm going to cut back into some of that older wood, and they won't look good for a while. But, but I they'll, they'll be away again. I mean, salvias flower on new wood, so they do. But they, I mean, when you when you prune something, as I pruned um, Margaret Merrill, I think her name is. This is one of my salvias, and I took her right down, and it's taken her six months to recover from my brutality. But she looks fabulous. Yeah, but that's six months of cool weather. True, true. Yeah, if you do them now, mm. then you're coming into the warm weather, they'll bounce away. And, and the other thing is, it's because of that, it's uh-huh. now is the time to get them into the sort of shape that you want. That's right. You know. It, also, with, with the uh, perennials, things like aster and, and um, sedums, you can chop them all in half at this time of the year, get rid of all that floppy spring growth. And then they'll flower on shorter stems, and they won't. The clumps won't fall, fall open. Over. Yeah. Yep. We've just had a text from Pat from Elwood saying thank you for using both the common names and the Latin names. I do think you need to use both. Yeah. Because yeah. Well, um, you know, if I said iris sensata to people, they go, "Oh, she's just talking about an iris." But if you say Japanese water iris, people go, "Ah, oh, I know yes. them." Yes. But it's nice to also use the botanical name because there's so many common names for things. Mm. Um, well, the common names in England and the common names here are not the same. Yeah. And well, it just becomes confusing. Or sea daffodil. There's three different things that are commonly called a sea daffodil or whatever, and it's like, well, which one are you talking about? Mm. So, yeah. But also a lot of nurseries these days are calling things... Uh. Making up names. Making up names. And people come in asking for something and I have no idea what they're talking about. 
And I do think it's very unreasonable when nurseries do not put the Latin name on because one of my rules for now, which is very different to the rules I applied in Britain, but my rule now is when I buy something, I look up where it comes from. Because with the hot north winds living on top of the ridge, (coughs) I find it absolutely essential. And the Circus is Mm. the Judas tree, which is... um, is, by, is the Circus. It is by far the toughest thing I had in my garden during the drought. Whereas the Forest Pansy, which is the Circus, mm-hmm. just hears the word drought. Yeah, Forest Pansies like chainsaws. <laughs> forest Pansies are from Forest Cap- Pansies like moist and. and They're appalling things. I mean, you <laughs> have them in the garden for five years and they just fall over. That's because you've got a chainsaw why attached not, to it. Why not put in, in <laughs> cottonus? Well, this is true. true. It's going to live forever. Be, yeah. But um, I think the thing, but the thing about the Circus, the Judas tree and the forest pansy, the Judas tree comes from Palestine, the forest pansy comes from Canada. Yep. Yeah. Do you need to know anything else? Anything from Canada is going to be wet, yep. by definition, because yeah. it's nearly at the North Pole. I mean, <laughs> I've, I've, I've planted forest pansies in three or four of the gardens that I've worked, and, and, and they've all ended up falling over mm. in high wind. Yeah. Um, certainly not the case with cottonus. No, and... And in the wind, the cottonus being the smoke bush, yeah, yeah, wafts around. Like you've got one that's very old in your garden, haven't you? Yes, it's um, fabulous. It's the per- small purple leaf, wasn't yes, it? Velvet Is that cloak. velvet cloak? Mm. No. Or yeah, dark. Yeah. 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 Or royal purple. Royal purple, yeah. I think it is. Um, six, yeah, six of one, half a dozen yeah, of the other, really. They're just amazing. Yeah. Um, and that one has never been pruned. The, I mean, at the botanic gardens, they prune. All of them. Yeah. Yep. They take them right down. And I think grace is an ugly tree and needs to be pruned. I prune mine three, four times a year. Yeah. Really? Do you, do you yeah. sell cottonus in pots, Craig? Yep. Good. Okay. Because it's, it's one of those things that's not going to be common in um, a lot of nurseries. Fiddly to propagate. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, um, but, yeah, if, if anyone's looking for an amazing coloured trub, cottonus are great. Yeah. And then there's one, there's one on the way down to Monbulk that has been there since I've been living in the hills, and it would be one and a half metres high, and he just keeps it at that height. Yep. Incredible. Okay. Just yeah. keeps pruning it. Yeah. It. yeah. But they I use a lot of it in the cut flower trade, like I pick it. Well, um, Grace would be perfect for the cut flower trade, but yep. I don't like Grace because it has such long, long canes. canes. Yep. Yeah. Whereas the velvet purple and the royal mantle or whatever the hell they're called, I mean, that one I've got that I've never pruned and was there when I came, it is a beautiful tree. tree. It yeah. doesn't ne- I take off the bottom so I can see underneath it, but I wouldn't think... You know, a lot of trees are better for not being pruned. Mm. We'll have a reaction from Craig. <laughs> He's no, going, no. which ones are they, Virginia? <laughs> I mean, you know, there, there are things that I Oaks. wouldn't prune, like a yeah. dove tree I wouldn't prune. Mm. Yeah. The dove tree, he has the most beautiful dove, dove tree, tree. Mm. I've tried. Although I did try during the drought, but the drought's going to come back, so there's no point. I mean, yep. you don't go grow a dove tree on top of a ridge, which is where I am. No. There's a dove tree at Long Acres that I grew from seed that I planted there 20 years ago, and it flowered this year for the first time. Oh, how exciting. Yeah, and, oh, and wow. not, not just a few flowers, like it was just dripping with flowers. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've got another call, which is Liz. From Mount Eliza. Hello, Liz. Hi, Virginia Hi. and Jane and Craig. Um, I, one of the ladies that was up there last week with the Ixias. Oh, fantastic. Yes. 
Jane. Um, we, yes, I didn't go into our full conversation of what no, we... No, you can, because you didn't give away the street name. I didn't give that the street name. So that was good. Um, <laughs> um, he's very mean not sharing anyway. Um, <laughs> so can I ask two questions now that I've been listening to you? Please. I've got a cottonus, <laughs> and I saw your cottonus, and mine looks... Mine has these huge... It's, I'm almost thinking of getting rid of it. It's really, really, really tall, and it's just got these very, very, very thin branches Grace. going up and all over the place with a little bit of leaf and um, flower when it, you know, when it flowers at the very top. Uh, every time I chop it back, yeah. it actually grows taller and thinner with nothing on the bottom... Um, on the trunk, or the or these cane-like things, are they two types? Looks nothing like yours, and nothing like the one. It's it's in a the sort of garden. soft red, is it? The leaf, yeah, a smoky. Yeah. yeah, it'll be grace. You probably need to prune it more than once. So, so you prune it, and then it throws out those big long canes, and then you oh, cut cut I... them in half again. So is that once? Because that's what I've done for five years, and then I thought, and then it wouldn't flower. But so I because left you're it last. cutting it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because I'm cutting it. So should I just keep cutting it? Yep. Don't worry about the flower and just get the bush happening. I don't let mine flower. Well, mine, I mean, not that I don't let it flower. It's just that I prune it so often that it doesn't. I think, I think if you buy another cottonus, I would say avoid Grace because she does have those very long canes. I mean, there's going to be people texting in saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, Grace is beautiful. Grace well, is beautiful. beautiful. No, no, I, yeah. I hear, but I, having seen yours and the one in the bot garden and, and some around, that wasn't, this isn't, I'm looking at it now, this isn't the look I wanted. Well, they've got Grace in the bot garden and what they do there is they prune. Yeah. And they do what Craig does. And right. I've got Grace there, but you didn't notice it because I pruned it with a chainsaw this year. <laughs> I did. Right. I, I took She's learning. Yeah, I was going to say, you're <laughs> rubbing off. <I'm> <laughs> so, so should I prune it now? Or yes, what, absolutely, or? you should prune it now. So if I pruned it now halfway, yeah. I'd have sticks. Yeah, yes. but that, that'll come into leaf again really quickly. quickly. Yep. Okay, I won't yeah. do that. And, and put a soft blue clematis through it. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've planted a little peony underneath, so I'm just hoping that works. Um my original question, first of all, Virginia, your garden was gorgeous. Oh, thank you. And Anne and I were saying that one of the reasons we really loved it, and we've got big gardens in Mount Eliza, is that it, it's, um, it doesn't look like four gardeners with a head gardener have gone around with their clippers and, you know, where you look at something and go, isn't it a divine garden? But, geez, we'd never get ours looking like that. So it was just a nice garden that you could... Um, Relate, relate to. to. Mm. Yeah. It's achievable. It's achievable, yeah. 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 So it was, um, and plus you had some gorgeous things. And Craig, you didn't have the magnolia. Uh, not magnolia, um, gladioli. No, I didn't. <laughs> no. I'm sorry. <laughs> very disappointing. But it was sorry, nice I, I know a there. garden where I could probably find some. <laughs> uh, I've, I've, the quest of the, of the gladioli is sort of. Gone now, but we did and did buy me an Ixia, mm. and I've got um, I've got about twelve blue bulbs that I've had in a pot. Yep. I, was, I was hoping to, that they would sort of um, um, reproduce in a pot. Start with 
Um, Should I? Have you got the 12 bulbs in one pot now? Yeah, yeah, and I've had them there for about three years, and they don't really work. Okay, is the foliage dying back now on it? It is. Yep, so once the foliage has all died back, you can tip the pot out. Now, on the bottom of those corms will be um, some little bubbers. Yeah. So it might even be like the size of a match head kind of um, thing. And they could. uh, Yep, so just be careful when you're going through the potting mix that you don't miss them. Um, and they can, and they just gently fall off with your thumb as well if they're still attached to the bottom of the um, corm. Uh-huh. Um, and then, yeah, just increase your pot size a little bit for them and plant the babies at the same depth as the main bulbs and just remember to um, feed them. So Ixias need um, something like a blood and bone or... Um, oh, really? Yep, and they need garden lime. Oh. So you need a little bit of each. Ixias love lime. Would, if, if it was my pot, I would try putting three or four of them in the ground oh, and definitely. see which well, ones well, do to, best. To be honest, yeah. I'd prefer them in the ground. Yeah. I thought we can plant I the whole could. lot in the ground. Yeah. Or, yeah, hedge your bets and put a couple in a pot in case they don't do well in the ground is what Craig's saying too as well. Yeah. I think. yeah. Because they're South African, mm. they enjoy the same climate that we have. Mm. Right, and they won't rot with the rain. They're more likely to rot in the pot. In the pot, yeah. that's yeah. what Yeah, and thought. the problem being they're dormant over the summer. And in the ground, if you remember, Craig was talking about before, having um, that constant or more consistent soil temperature and things. Yeah. So in yep. your pot over the summer, if we don't move our pot somewhere cool and dry and we have a shower of rain go through in January and then a day of 40, it steams the bulbs in the pot. Mm-hmm. And that's where yeah, you're okay. more likely to lose them as well. So... And if you're worried about where they are in the garden, put them in a pot and bury the pot. And you just leave the oh, lip of the pot nice. sticking out of the soil surface so that you know that you've got something there. Right, so I've got a little spot where near some salvias, and I'm like, Virginia, I've got hundreds of salvias. Mm. They'll come up, the ixus will come up through the salvias perfectly. All right, yeah. I'll do so that. So just make so sure I that it's not, it not a big growing salvia because the ixus will, you won't be able yeah, to see. Just, yeah. yeah, they'll hide. Um, all right, so I should do that. So I'll do that now, like today. Yeah, mm-hmm. if they've yeah, if they've died back enough, just remember what we were saying about if there's any green yeah. left on it, just that, but my ixus are all dying back now But if she's going anyway. to put it in a pot, she yeah. could just put the whole lot, I mean, put it in the Why ground. Why wouldn't I just, just put the whole, the whole pot? Lot so she could just put the whole pot in, but I'd like to know whether she's made increase and stuff too, mm. because that's a fun part too, and you tip it out and you go, oh, it's got babies. Mm. Yeah, well, that's what I'm hoping. And mm. I've, um, Anne got me one from you last week. Yep, of the green one. That I'll, yep. I'll put, yep, that I'll just put in. Um, and how deep should they go, given they're so tiny? Um, Craig's going to say 10 centimetres. <laughs> no, look, I'll about, defer to you, Jane. Yeah, about five, six centimetres deep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Terrific. That's under well, the thank mulch. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's just <laughs> under the mulch. Yeah. Just under the mulch. Okay. No, yes, no, you've got to get it into no, the I, actual yes. soil. He's being no, cheeky. No, I will. And yeah, they, I will. they will, they will uh, increase in your, in your, once you put them in the ground. Yeah, yeah. And you just leave them each year. Just leave them And then as your top dress in the garden with, with food, just make sure your rixias and stuff get a bit of food. And maybe that's put... It. A little bit of something in, a little bit of bamboo or something to remind yourself that they're there so you don't shove the spade in. It's the feeding I've not been doing because I don't know for some reason because Augustus has got them up where he's got them around the side of the road, they're just totally neglected and there's 
he's got dozens and dozens and dozens of just this blue ixia. Yep. Well, and I assumed that they didn't need well, it. Well, don't, they don't need it, but as Craig was saying, you know, everything does better with food. Yes. You see, and then the thing is, your ixias will be better than Augustus. <laughs> And then we won't have Good. to go through that other conversation we went through. Exactly. He probably listens, of course. <laughs> well, good morning. If you <laughs> Well, thank you very much. And I love the show, so obviously. Yeah, so, um, Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Gardeners are always so generous. You know, it's always a shock when you so meet, when meet one that that's they not. they won't share. Yeah. yeah. And that's what it, you know, I, I think that's what gardening should be about. Like... You should be able to share pots of things or seed or cuttings. or. Oh, it's fantastic yes. sharing. Yeah. Yes. Let's have a bit of love. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe the number of people that come into my nursery with plant material for me. It happens all the time. Oh, well, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I just think that's what gardeners do. Mm. I mean, it, it was came to me from a very early age with, with my mother's garden and seeing the flow of plant material mm. in and out. So when somebody gets a little bit miserly or... Um, uh, grumpy about sharing something. It's it is a shock. A shock. You're like, yeah. are you okay? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and of course that is, I mean, in a way, that is what plant trust is about. I mean, plant mm. trust is about pr- trying to preserve our garden plants because a lot of things that have come in will never be able to come in again. No. And so if we lose them, they've gone forever. And I've got that Rhinocanthus speziana, mm. which mm. doesn't have a common name because it is so mm. uncommon. It's a plant that doesn't flower. <laughs> Mine flowers. The rhino it. plant. Yeah. But, you know, I've given it to both of you and yep. I've given it to various other people yep. because somehow I got it. I yep. want it spread around. Yeah. Does yours flower, Joan? No. no. Not yet. Not yet. Well, it'll. It, mine flowers. And I noticed Ben and Kerry had them for sale at the yes. Wandering Thing, too. I gave yeah. them to them last year. Yeah. Hmm. So. You need to know what he's doing. <laughs> well, I think uh, Craig hasn't got his in enough sun. I think I, th- I don't think they want a lot of sun, but mine mine have all got Yours morning gets sun. Yours gets fairly good yeah. sun around it. Gets morning yeah. sun there. Yeah. And the be... first time it flowered, it flowered better. It's never flowered as good yeah. as well. It would get more hair. sun if you took out that evergreen magnolia. <laughs> With a chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> Down the bottom, he wants it to go at the plant trust. Like plant trust, you look it up on yeah. on on the um, net under plant trust. Yeah. It comes from, there, there is a plant trust in America, in Germany, in England. In England, it's called Plant Heritage, and it's yeah. very, very well organised because they are very well organised about gardens mm. and garden plants, and there's a lot of money behind gardens in England, which is not so much no. the same here. Um, but the, and the idea is we encourage people and botanic gardens and institutions to actually collect a particular genus. Mm-hmm. Like there's a person down from Craig who we want to register his clivias because he's got such an amazing collection. And um, Stephen's registered three different collections. I haven't registered anything because I can't keep records. You could, you could do Cantua. <laughs> I could. <laughs> I could do Cantua until you come along with your chainsaw. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a messy shrub. No, we're, we're really picking on you now, Craig, but he's not that bad. I know, I'm, I'm, I'm impervious to being picked on. <laughs> This is the 3CR Garden Show, and you are listening to Virginia, Jane and Craig, who all live 
in and around the Dandenong, so know each other's gardens mm. quite well, which is why we're getting this um, carry-on. Yeah. Yeah. Craig tells me, I have got a large magnolia, which he's determined should go. It's a baby. And it is very Which is big. my concern. Mm. Mm. Of course, it's already probably 25 mm. foot. Yeah. yeah. And so maybe it should go. I have one announcement for everybody. I've held this until I think most people are listening. It is at Burnley. They're having a big day out at Burnley next Saturday, December the 11th. So they're going to have a summer pruning workshop, exactly what we're talking about, from 9.30 to 12.30. They're having a plant sale from 11 till 1, and Burnley's plant sales are always excellent. And they're having a book sale from 11 till 1. They're encouraging people to come and picnic. It's the second oldest garden in Melbourne, and it has some lovely grass to sit on. And they're taking guided walks and talks from two, around 2.30. So that's a big day out at Burnley next weekend. Burnley Fantastic. is where the Horticultural College is, and I suppose it's Hawthorne? No, I suppose mm. it's Richmond. It's Richmond. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yes, it's on the river at Richmond. You can get there by tram very easily. So have a look at that, everybody, and decide if you think that would be a fun day out next Saturday, December the 11th. Big day out at Burnley. Right, Jane, another plant, please. Oh. Um, okay, well, let's go with... Um, we talked a little bit about shady things. Let's go with some full sun things. Um, I think last time I was on, I was talking about the um, Amarilla Daisy family from South Africa, which included our common belladonnas, naked ladies, and nareens and things, and I thought, well, there's another um, continent that we haven't done on uh, Amaryllidaceae and, and full sun sort of bulbous things that people could try for a uh, summer flowering in their garden, and that's South America. It's um, full of some beautiful, wonderful um, bulb plants. Um, so I'm going to start with Sprichelia, the everyone might know it as Jacobine lily or Aztec lily. It's probably one of the more famous and easily grown or more commonly available of these amaryllids from South America. Um, so it's the one with the beautiful big red orchid-type bloom, um, but it has a reputation of being a little bit finicky on flowering. You can have a pot of ten bulbs and maybe only four might flower. So most people sort of advertise it that you plant it in a clump of it so that you get a lot of blooms. Um, I call it the teenage bulb because you can have a pot of ten of them and one flower now and then two of them flower at the end of January. They do it when they want to and teenagers pretty much do what they want. So that's, And that's probably the easiest thing for people to start with. So that's Sprichelia formosissima um, or Jacobine lily. So is there anything you can do to encourage flowering? Um, they like a dry winter rest so mm -hmm. which is okay for me in the trade of that I'm basically digging stock to then sell in our winter catalogue so having that dry rest in in our shed but um, the drier it can be over the winter and then the beautiful spring rains that we've had is what promotes the the flowers and that's similar to a lot of these South American um, amaryllids as well that they like a dry rest but one full sun yep so yep. you need to be, if you're planting them out, you need to make sure they're in a very well-draining position. S position, yeah. Um, the, I'll go straight to the hardest one that I've got here at the moment too, and this is Clodanthus fragrance. That now is I'm gonna absolutely beautiful. Do, I get, do you get hay fever, Craig? No, Not no, good. Smell that. <laughs> 
It is a mm. very, very good But the colour is yeah, fantastic. It, it's one of the um, best-smelling um, bulbous flowers in the world, apparently. Um, so it's Cladanthus fragrance, common name sea daffodil, um, but you will come up with other things. So As in S-E-A? Or yeah, yeah. But this um, comes from the Andes. And it's not a daffodil? No, it's not a daffodil. I so why sea daffodil? Does it grow uh, to the greater ground, the no, sea level? No, it's, this is where common names come into it that um, it's really, really confusing. But it's, it has a reputation of being very, very difficult to flower. Um, now, it's got this, uh, a, they get to about um, 15, 20 centimetres tall, um, and then it has this long, narrow tube with a flaring trumpet on the end, so I suppose that's where the daffodil reference comes in through, but they're not a daffodil. But it's the fragrance that's amazing, and it's a pure golden yellow um, colour. So I think um, the best advice on growing Cladanthus would be in a pot because then you can give it that dry rest over the winter and then hit it with the spring rain. Um, so in my research and growing it, that's the best way so it's like, to get it to flower. It's like the tropiolum, when yep. it needs the dry, which yep. needs the dry summer, but yep. when it needs dry, it really needs dry. Mm. So, so is the dry winter as a result of being under snow, or is it from the subtropical? Yeah, the, um, it's probably the high Andes. Yeah, isn't it's it? the high Andes, so, so it'd be it is snow. a snow cover, mm. which is like a blanket, I suppose. Mm-hmm. To um, snow's dry. Y- yeah. 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 Um, but that's one, if, if you're growing Sprachelia and um, the other one I've got here is Hymenoclus, which are sometimes called spider lilies. Um, if you're growing those successfully, Cladanthus would be one that I would suggest that you, you try, so for the more experienced gardener. But if you're just starting out and you want some of this summer uh, flowering bulbs, so Sprachelia, Hymenoclus, um Oh, well, Satanthus, like Velotas and things like that. Um, Could we put a, li- a, a list of these names onto on the Facebook later? Yes. So people can look them yeah, up. Yeah, we can do we're that. Yeah, and through a lot of names. Yeah, exactly. And people won't be able to write them down. Yeah, and it's a lot to take in on a Sunday morning. But, um, yeah, so there's, just that there's some fabulous um, bulby things that come out of South America as well as out of South Africa too. Mm. And um, the oxalis. Yes. Some of the South American oxalis <laughs> are incredible. Yeah. 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 Now I have a question which from James about Garia elliptica. Mm-hmm. He's got one that's 13 years old and he wants to know when to prune it. It's hardly flowering and it's a bit like my cantura, he says. It's messy. Mm. Have either of you grown Garia? I haven't grown Garia, but I'd do it right now. Yeah, I've got one that I sort of put in because I was was thinking for um, the florist trade Mm. because we do a lot of cut flowers as well to subsidise the bulby side of my life. Um, So once it's finished flowering, the catkins should all be just about dropping off or gone shriveled or whatever, and I'd cut it. But I think from my experience with a Garia, you can't cut it back severely. So what happens if you do? Um, it doesn't like it at all. Um, oh, there are things that just die if you cut them to old wood. Yeah. So um, you could take it back by a third to start with and, and see how that mm. then looks. And, and basically you're giving it some shape that um, doesn't look so crappy as what he's saying. Yeah, look, I'm not a big fan, actually. I don't think that they make a nice enough shaped shrub for me in the yeah. garden. I'd want more. Yes, I like a garrier. Do you? Mm. Yeah. But I haven't planted one. Yeah. 
an elliptica, and it's probably James Roof, did you say? Was it? Uh, yeah, it probably is, which is um, basically a selected cultivar because it's got the longer catkins. And um, it is, they are beautiful in the foliage shape and the, that deep green. Um, and then the catkins on it, they look they look fabulous. But, yeah, I'd just be... Do you think he should be, if it's not been flowering very well, do you think he should be dropping all his banana skins underneath it? Is that a result mm-hmm. of shade? Or why, we, we wonder why it's not flowering very well. Does it, does it flower on old or new wood? It's on the tips, yeah. isn't it? Tips and yeah. new. Yeah. Yes, it's Rosie who's, yeah. who's sent us the message. It's I'd probably um, give it a feed too. Yeah. It's probably a bit hungry. Yes, um, yes, and, yeah. and get a bit of potassium yeah. into the feed, which yeah. is my... Well, your banana skins and things, yeah. yeah. I you have to be eating a lot of bananas, bananas to, to make, make a difference. difference. Yeah, to make yeah. <laughs> but, of course, the other thing to do over the summer is is when you are... If you do have a lot of banana skins, is just to soak, soak the skins in water and use that for your watering. It's a really easy way of just putting some potassium into I'm not into a particular soup. fan of bananas, though. No, I hate them. You're you kidding know. me. I, yeah, I'm weird. I know. No, yeah. I don't eat them either, Jane. I don't eat apples either, everybody. <laughs> Craig's so looking at me you're like... You're an alien in the studio. Yeah. Especially, <laughs> especially in the dandenongs. Yeah. I mean, we oh, do apple have apple pie, yum. No, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't eat bananas, but luckily my daughter does. Yeah. And I rescue them from the but compost. they're so good for you. They are, yes. I, I understand the, the value good of for them you. and the value of fruit. I understand that. But mm. I also understand the value of a cheese platter. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, be, things being good for you are never enough. <laughs> I don't eat bananas, yeah. uh, I'm afraid. Mm. I just anyway, we hope we've helped um, with the Garrier question. Uh, and, and, and when you're feeding it, feed it enough. Like, <laughs> look at the size of the plant and think, this is a substantial shrub. Yes, it if it's needs a substantial skin, it needs feed. about three handfuls of feed around the bottom. Plus three kilos. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And we have another question. Hi, garden people. I really enjoyed Virginia's garden last week. The native hibiscus out the back. Stunning. I, nev- I didn't know they could grow so big. <laughs> she is asking, how long do you spend maintaining your garden? Well, I have to say, one of the reasons my garden is looking so good this year is lockdown. Yeah. Lockdown yeah. and gardening go together. <coughs> and I have done more work. I, I, Craig and I, during the lockdown did a little bit of redesign on parts that were... Because in winter, you can see the structure. Mm. And we could see structural problems in winter. So we, I, I chopped, I got the chainsaw. And change is good, too. Change is good. Yeah. Change is good. But definitely... But I now that it's an older garden, I find I don't have to do as much... Mate. I mean, it is a very big garden, and that's a problem. And, and I do have a gardener for four hours a week, which, you know, is minuscule. Um, but I do find that I can maintain it as long as I don't have to do the mowing. I can maintain it largely myself if I put maybe a couple of full days a week. I don't ever do it as full days. I do because I can't go all day anymore. I'll do two hours and then I have to have a cup of tea and then another, and it's mid getting to so midday, I. so I need more <laughs> cups of tea. Yeah. And then half the two hours are spent admiring things. <laughs> Yeah, and, and pondering and, and, and having a sit. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and particularly at the moment, because I have a wee bill 
nesting straight above my table. So I have to sit and watch the wee bill go in and out, out, in and out. Mr. and Mrs. wee bill go Mm. in and out, in and out. It's been absolutely fabulous having the wee bill. Which takes up quite some time. It does. Mm. That can be two cups of tea to watch the wee bill. (laughs) So I really don't know how much time I spend, but I spend a lot of time. um, And I don't... I, I do my other things... And I don't have enough time in my life, what with, with the Botanic Gardens, Plant Trust, mm. my own garden and the radio show. So I suppose it does take quite a lot of time. But it's all, most of it's pleasure. Yep. But really, uh, one thing I've learned in my old age is it's all about having the right tools. Yes. It yeah. helps enormously. It and helps I've, enormously. And also I've had to ditch some of my tools. Like I've had to ditch the pickaxe because it's just... No, that's... It's terrible for my shoulders. Kills your elbows and mm, your shoulders. And my elbows, yeah. 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 I've got tennis elbow in one elbow and golf elbow in the other yeah. elbow. Yeah. <laughs> so I've had to ditch some of my tools. And, the other, and getting new tools, the really important thing is to get them light. That's right. Light. Yeah. And I want a light. And buying a barrow. Must be light. First question: Is it is, is it, it light? light? Yeah. Well, you're not concreting, are you? So. No, exactly. It has to be light. Yeah. And um, some of these questions, the, I find the most time-consuming part of my garden is the vegetable garden, because they're essentially annuals. So when when you're going at them, it's just constant. And the That's thing true. that I will ditch first is growing vegetables. Plenty of them in Safeway. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Is that like the lemon tree? There's <laughs> <laughs> plenty of lemons in woolies. Look, I like to grow things that I, to eat that I can't buy good ones. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Blueberries, top of the list. Yeah, because they, the ones that you grow yourself They're are so, so delicious. much tastier yeah. than, which I'd never Well, my raspberries, are, I think. Yeah, yeah raspberries, another one. Straight off the yeah. bush. And the lemons. Persimmons. I, but however, I do have a le- a lemon, a le- lemon, lemon trees. trees. That's yeah. actually more than I need. You have yeah. an orchard. And in yeah. given we have fruit fly, I yeah. think I'm going to take out some of my lemon trees because I, I don't need a lemon. Eleven's a bit indulgent. Mm. Mm. So some of them can go. <laughs> Love it. She's indulgent. <laughs> <laughs> now, Craig, come on. You've got something to tell no, us. Before we go yep. to Craig, um, good morning, gardeners. Thank you for a really interesting show. Thank you. Cottonus. I want to take cuttings. When do I do that? Um, go and buy one. Janine. They're really, unless you're difficult. a seriously good propagator, don't bother. Yep. Really? Yeah, yep. yep. hard. Yep. Well, the person... Like, um, what's the other thing that's the little, with the icing dots? A kelmia. Kelmia. Kelmia yeah. is a heart, yep. You need to do, yep. do cottonus with the really soft, floppy tips, so yep. they need to have bottom heat and mist. And then mist all the time. Yeah. Yep. I would suggest you just buy one. Too. Yep. I, I, I love the enthusiasm. So, but, but then again, we don't know. The, this listener may, know, may well be... I'm all for encouraging yeah. people yeah. to propagate, just yep. not cottonus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, these people who are growing the clematis, they have got masses of cottonus coming on to Yeah. Yeah. So they're obviously very good propagators. Yeah. yeah. They came to how I met them was they came to my garden. Yeah. Which is it's amazing that open garden scheme like that you, you can meet all these other fabulous people that um, well everybody's going there because they like gardening so it's a good start. No, but I did have some very very um, skilled and interesting people mm. come, which was really uh, there was a, a a very elderly woman who walked around. I found out later with her son, and she must have been well into her 80s. Yep. 
Um, they were from down Terrelgan Way, I think. No, Bendigo. Yeah. Bendigo. Oh, it was too. Bendigo. Yep. Bendigo. And she was coming up the hill on her walking mm. frame, and I, I just went out and said, would you like a cup of tea? Yeah. Which was... He was fascinating. Heather was very thrilled to have the cup of tea. She needed it. Mm. Yep. And and he he is breeding plants so mm. he was a magnificent person yeah. to talk to mm. and it's the thing you know you don't i mean you're not meant to with open gardens vic you're not meant to let people in to the use the loo well there were so many older people there well, i had to yeah. let them use mm. the yeah and you usually you don't offer people cups of tea but you know, heather needed a cup of tea well, I th- <laughs> and i think she really really appreciated it too i yeah, have no was, doubt yeah, yeah she was they were lovely i agree with you the other part of one of these questions was about a callistamine that's got some dye back. This is not one. I, my callistamine, I put them in kicking and screaming on my dam. I, I've never liked mm-hmm. callistamine. And um, Ian from Bushland and mm. his wife, Lynette, Lynette said, you need wee Johnny and little Fred and <laughs> tiny Jack. <laughs> I can't remember yeah. their names. But they all had silly male names mm. like that. Um, and just and I put them in under instruction. Thank you, Lynette. And they've done really well. And I don't know really about callistamine no, dieback. One of the things I found out about because I've got on the dam those people who came will have seen some uh, grevilleas looking pretty miserable on my dam. And this time last year they were absolutely stunning. And Lynette and Ian came on Saturday and took one look at it and said, "Oh, red spider mite." I had no idea that grevilleas get red spider mite. Mm. So they're going so it's to fixable. Oh, not. I don't want to use contraband. No, because it's, it's mm. serious chemicals. Yeah. Unless you get bugs for bugs. I doubt. Yes. I it's probably a bit far for mm. bugs for bugs. I, I think. think um, explain bugs for bugs. Bugs for bugs. You go online and if you Google bugs for bugs, you'll see there's a whole range of beasties that you can buy that are going to eat aphids and, and red spider mites. Mm. And, yeah. Yes, I suppose. But I think. Probably, I, I've pulled out every azalea that I had because of red spider mite. Mm-hmm. Red spider mite is one where I just say, you win. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think they go to the burn. In fact, I must do it soon because we'll be um, yeah. hitting restrictions. restrictions and yes, mm. will be in soon. Yes, yeah. I might do it this Thursday. Yeah. I think they so just I, have to I go to the burn. I can't help with the dye back in the side. It's, it's out of my field. It would do, how long to how long it's been dying back or whether mm. it's just a result of the wet spring or... Yeah, no, but they're 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 um, uh, notorious for being able to take wet or dry calistamin, okay. so I don't so think, I don't think it'll be wet. Yeah. I'm afraid we're fairly hopeless on this one, and I'm just thinking maybe just sew around. Yes, because and AB a- a- is on next week. AB so will know. Maybe if you ring in or text in next week, because that's the advantage of this show. We have all sorts of experts, but we don't ever have all the experts. We can't cover everything. In, not in one show, no. but we can in one month. Yes, yes, that's a good way. So next week it's AB, Stephen Ryan and Greg Balderston. I doubt Stephen or Greg will have a clue, but I suspect AB will have a very good clue. Yep. So we might yeah. hope that you could text in next week. I'm sorry about that. I'm sure that if you can give her the variety, that would help. Yeah, that's true too. Yes. Yes, uh, yes, and it, it, I always think it's if you've got a difficult question, it's easier for us if we're actually talking to you because we can ask you something, then you mm. can say no, that's not the case, etc. Yeah. yeah. 
So that's always the But thought. I understand people get a bit nervous about calling into a radio station too. So that's And also, you know... It's nervous being on this side of the bench. <laughs> Indeed. That's worse here. Yeah. Because you can push yes. the wrong button. Yeah. You're the driver. <laughs> Pushing the wrong button's always serious. Yeah. Anyway, Craig, give us a flower. Oh, look. No, no, we won't do a flower because we're doing pruning. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sambuca black lace, oh, well. uh, which is an incredible shrub, does very well in Melbourne. I've seen it grow beautifully in Melbourne gardens, but it has these big, long arms that come out if you leave it alone, and it gets very leggy and floppy. It's one that needs constant pruning, and if you do that, it's superb. Give me its ordinary name. Um, it's... Um, Elderberry. Elderberry. Black, That's black-leafed right. elder. <laughs> Trying to yeah. think of it. It's an So really, really dark, dark purple foliage. And beautiful, beautiful pink flowers. That's right. Yeah, and it flowers on the new tips, so pruning is not going to interrupt the flowering. And if you want it to be compact, you need to chop it. Yes, and I, yeah. I chop mine because I plant things too close together. Yeah. And it's if you near the magnolia that I won't take out. <coughs> If you do, because the Sambuca would be so much happier without the magnolia. Um, <laughs> if you do chop, if you if you do chop it, you'll have a fantastic shrub. And if you don't, then it's going to be leggy and floppy. So that's yeah. interesting. Do you, I mean the ordinary elder? You wouldn't say that, would you? No. But then, but the this, this is an aberration, though, isn't mm. it? It's not. Yeah. And there's a few of them, isn't there? There's that there is. very fine-leafed, cut-leaf one. Which I've never been able to hope get looking good. Right. Yeah. Stephen actually is regis- has a register of elders. Of Sambuca. Yes, yeah. with Plant Trust. Yeah. So if anyone's interested, next week would be a good time to talk about. Yeah. But I think you're right. I, mine definitely look Do much you know better the for the chop. keeps Great. on that? Like if you were to put it in... I would have thought so. Because it would be stunning in floral work. Yeah. That's like a beautiful purple. It's a really dark, dark... Mm. Yeah, and with the soft pink flowers, mm. it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. It's yes, a lovely shrub. I do, I do. Yeah, I'm coming up, okay. <laughs> okay, and, and the other thing is that the, the arching, what the British call summer flowering shrubs, or the, what we'd call late spring, so Deutzia and Wygelia, mm. Philadelphus, yeah. those sort of shrubs where you don't actually cut them back. You take out old canes, so you get in on your knees. Okay. And you can pick out the old canes by the bark texture and take them out. Just right back to the ground. Right back to the ground, like okay. you would a hydrangea. Yep. Yep, that's, that's how you prune those. Colwitzi is another one. Yeah. Yeah. Some beautiful... So um, you wouldn't actually work from the... Like if you were pruning the, the Sambuca, you'd work from the outside and come in, whereas these you get on the inside. And, and work out. Yeah. yeah. And I've seen um, the Japanese, the Chinomalies, the Japanese quince. Mm-hmm. I've seen terrible things happen with that because it flowers on older wood and I've seen people continually, year after year, prune it from the top, from mm-hmm. the outside going in. So they never get proper flowers. Mm. It's another one that you go down and you take out the whole cane. You know, you you, yeah. you control the shape and the size of the shrub by taking out whole canes because that way you're not yeah, knocking out flowering wood all the time. Because I have a form of cane anomalies called chochubai, which is a Japanese form, and it's very dwarf. Oh. It's much used in bonsai as a clump style. Um not as not as bulletproof as the big ones, yeah, but beautiful, 
in the garden it would probably less than a metre. Okay. Yeah. We have another question on propagating. On It's Alice from Keelor. Alice. Hello. Hello. Um, I'm interested in finding out if I can propagate a, a deciduous magnolia from a cutting. You're asking the wrong guy. Um, <laughs> no. oh. I reckon that'd be easy. Uh, yeah, I, I think it all comes down to timing. Um, so now, probably now, and it's I'm not. I think it has to be when the wood is still slightly soft on a magnolia. But I, please don't you know take this for. Um, that's all right. No, no one's going to die if it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah that's right. Well, well, Peter, Peter Teese from Yamina came up to my place this time last year and took a stack of cuttings off them. Yeah, off okay. the magnolia. Yeah. Well, that's so, a good. That's yeah. a very good measure. And he's a very experienced propagator. Yeah. You, they're, okay. they're not too hard, I don't think, from what I've, I've heard. Again, uh, it's uh, the variety uh, will make you, a difference. Yes. So, do you know what, which right. one you're trying to do? Uh, it's deciduous. It's got a white bowl-shaped flower with that perp, uh, pinky purpley centre in it in the flourish. So it'll be a Solangiana. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other two two solutions. We think probably yes, particularly as Peter Tees came and yeah. cracked mm. into Craig's la- this time last year. Have a look at the net. Ask the net. Whoop, 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 oh yeah. And ring in next week and ask Stephen. Yes. Semi, oh, okay. semi, right. but I'd semi ripe wood. Yes. At this time of the year, I would have thought. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and some warmth. Mm. Put and it on what? your um, hot water cylinder or. Yeah, I would. Oh, have okay, yes. Thought, well, yeah. I can do that. Yeah. yeah. And, and mist. Okay. Yes, and what and about? Yes. Oh, sorry, keep on. No, you go. What about angels' trumpets and um, Megan's magic salvia? Megan's magic, I've propagated. So, so Megan's yep. magic will start making roots when it sees you pull out the bag of propagating mix. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and I don't even use pre- propagating mix. And the same with the Brugmansia, so easy. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Piece of cake. Semi-ripe. Okay. Yep, semi-ripe. Do, do it now. Sorry? Is this a good time to yes. do that? Yeah, it's trumpet? perfect. Yeah. Oh, marvellous. Thank you yeah. very much. Okay. So do all I'm three sh- now. And I'm yeah. going yeah. to. Yeah. I'm shifting yeah. house and I want to take them with me. Aww. And the magnolia's hit and miss and the other two, the, mm. yeah, is guaranteed. is guaranteed. And do a few of the salvia. Yes, I will. Yeah. I can always give them away. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, well, that's <laughs> Thanks for your help. That's good, Alice. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. And we've got Sue on line eight, which is very exciting. Hello, Sue. Good morning, and I'm listening, and good morning, Shirley and Craig. Very, Hi. very interesting show, and it's actually covering a lot of my plants because I've got the uh, Jacobean lilies too. <laughs> but luckily, um, Jim knows where this area is. I've got them directly out of my dining room, which is <clears throat> I dug up Lilydale topping to put into that in that garden. So I've got salvias, but I've got the uh, Sprachelia in that bed, which doesn't get even if it rains. Um, it's because it's so shaly, they they stay dry. So I've just had them flowering, but I've only had three flowering, and I've probably got a dozen sitting in yep. um, that bed. Um, on the propagation mix too, what I was going to say, Jim, is that I, I'm at the moment propagating an old propagating mix because my husband decided he was going to whip a snip and make 
neat garden edges down my cottage garden and I've panicked and all Mount Evelyn heard me, so I've got cuttings <laughs> down. But um, we use 5% um, peat and um, 95% perlite because I actually use the same propagation mix for every single plant that I use. It works with everything. And gin on the red spider mite, mm-hmm. um, it will, I ended up removing all the grevilleas that, uh, had the red spider mite because it was going through my garden. But on the propagation side of it, we were having uh, a lot of trouble with red spider mite. And what they actually do is they put very small holes into the leaves. And if you do the cuttings, the cuttings die. Mm-hmm. So that might be why the Christmas foliar cuttings that I've got um, aren't doing so well, Jen. Oh, except you know, Christmas, we it doesn't that, look it, well, no. It's it is very hard. hard to identify. And, you know, until probably I've been at Bushland now for 13 years, I wasn't aware of it. And you can see what happens is the leaves go like a, a yellowy tone to it. And mm. when you turn the leaf over, you can actually see, see. it. But it's... Um, see the damage. It's, yeah, because what happens is because of... If you've had spider mite on a plant and you try and propagate off it, the plant can't hold the water mm-hmm. in the propagation mix. Um, so I actually reject anything that has had uh, red spider mite on it. And the then, yeah, so what about potting on the um, the hakea cuttings? Did you hear that one, Sue? No, I didn't. Yeah. I, I actually um, slept in. Um, so I've only listen to the show. <laughs> so well, we had a street so. party next door. And you know what? I get up at five o'clock every morning and I thought, no, I'm actually going to have a sleep in. So I didn't listen to the radio until about ten past eight this morning. Well, Sue, so we so had, probably... a, had somebody um, ring in and they've taken hakea cuttings yep. and they wanted to know when they should move them from the propagating pots into the next size up. As soon as they've got a good root system, but you've got to remember plants get like two sets of roots, so they get their adventurous roots and then their feeders. So you want a fairly good root system of probably two inches of them, but we we grow hakea from seed. We don't usually do hakeas from cuttings. Right. Why is that? I think they grow easier. Okay. So it's yeah, nothing to do I with moving them on? Yeah, look, a lot of plants don't like transplants well, either. Right. Yeah. Um, but also things like cutting the roots. You don't want them too long when you're doing Aussie natives because they don't like uh, the cutback either. And if you're going to do that, to make sure that you've used um, disinfected um, secateurs and things like that when you do it. Anything from the Protaceae, Myrtaceae family uh, are all so temperamental to... Tubing. We actually put them back into um, a poly that we don't run a mister, but we run a fogger until we get the roots actually coming through. Um, a lot of our stuff is done in peat pots, but the hakeas we're usually doing for orders, so they're going into forestry tubes. Yeah. Um, they suffer for a good two to three weeks from transplant shock when you're doing banksias. I don't know if hakeas fall into that category, do they? I don't think they do. But I grow Australian natives as bonsai, and I mean, you would be appalled by the things I do to their roots. Do you know what? I saw one of the guys at work, and I was really amazed at this, and he's a supported worker, has bonsai'd a mini cog. 
Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I had a fabulous. Kasha, I had a Kasha Cognata, not not mini cog, but the big one for many yep. many years. I gave it to a friend a little while ago because it got too heavy for me. Yep. But it, it, I root pruned that every year for thirty years. Now, yes. now, Sue, can I also ask you about Wee Johnny? If it's, yes. If it's got dieback, what would you be thinking? On Wee Johnny, they get like this um, massive netted, um, I don't know what it is that actually gets on it. You can get borers in colistamin is what I was going to suggest you'd get uh, your dieback with. Yeah. Okay, well, that's the little borer that makes a ring around the, the trunk. Um, in the tips. In the tips. So in the tips. So when I'm doing cuttings of colistamins and notorious, the green envy is your other one, gin yeah. and wee Johnny, they are notorious for having borer. And quite often I don't even get the cutting because by the time you get down to where the borer is and he can go a good couple of inches sometimes into the top, you can get um, sometimes die back on colistamins with that. I don't have any stock plants I can say. Uh, it depends on what colistamin too because they're all different. Salignus, mm. um, probably if it's a salignus variety, hardest to propagate and also I've found notorious for getting the dieback. Not, not so much on what you've got, Jin, in your garden. And what I was going to say too, I agree with you, colistamin's like they're a good plant if you've got a boggy area. Mm-hmm. And they'll still um, take the so dry, won't they? They will. See, I've got tarry pink in a really dry area and it's not performing the same. Uh, my burgundy jack is down in a, a wet, wetter area. The other thing you can get on them too is these horrible caterpillars that can cause... Uh, it almost looks like a dieback, but they can destroy... I've had a colistamin destroyed in two days and if you turn over the leaf, you'll mm. see see them on there. They're like a black... So really, I, she needs to be looking for either borer or Turning the leaf over and having a look at what's going on. Right. Um, because you could actually have bugs on that. And I use pyrethrin, which is fairly safe, or I just squash them. I don't like using chemicals on my plants. So, so if, if it's a section of the shrub that's died back, it's more than likely borer, isn't it? It could be, yes. Yeah. So and it happens, I heard, on my aporum. Mm. I didn't know. I was talking to uh, Marilyn Bull because I was part of the um, Australian plant group that Deb Mack belongs to as well, and I wasn't even aware that you can get borum on the Batii uh, myoporum that can actually kill it. So, mm. well, I've very had, interesting. I've had borer in that acacia, the wattle up the top of my place. You know that really oh, beautiful one that came from you. That's an emerald curl. Mm, beautiful plant. Yes. But I, yep. lost, I lost the middle of it to Bora. Yeah. Um, Craig, too, you were talking about, were you talking about pruning Wydealers? Yep. Yeah, because I've had, I actually had to remove one and I get a lot of dieback in the centre of the bush. You, you just take out the old canes like you would a hydrangea. Right down to the bottom. Right then. at the base, yep. Because the one that I've got is absolutely glorious and I don't really want to lose that, but... And I've also got it on my um, Viburnum opulus. Same, same, pr- same pruning process. Okay. Yeah, all I those shrubs too. that sort of make a, a central clump of stems and arch out. 
So all yep. the, all the because Priscilla's texted in wanting to know she doesn't know which viburnum she's got, but how should she prune it? Well, it would depend entirely on, on the viburnum. Yep. Yeah. So she, if it's opulous, then it's the same process. Going to the I bottom. Can't. Yeah, taking and out old canes. And if yeah, it's, but prob- some of the viburnums are actually trees. Um, like it's a huge genus. Yes, yes. So, there is. Yeah. The other ones, I just tip prune them. I just take the flowers off and just. Um, That's the. I've got Onondaga, do you call it? Onondaga sargentii, yeah. Yes, yep. And I only just take off the the flower tips. I don't prune that because Doesn't I'm trying to get the height up. Yeah. No, and I've got Carlesii that I'm just growing to grow up at the moment, but it's not all that big. It's so that. I don't touch that at all. Doesn't really need much pruning. And I don't touch the snowball either. It's just that I've had these dead canes. But next doors have got a, um, oh, I'm trying to think what this tree is. It has yellow fruit on it that's completely shaded my garden. And um, I don't think the uh, snowball tree likes it. No. With, with, the, with the viburnums, they are subject to that borer which makes, which ring barks them. Oh, now, can I say, ask a question, because my crab apple has died and I was blaming the possum, but the whole bottom of that um, crab apple has been ring-barked. Borer, was it, or? Or rabbit? I don't know. Or rabbit or Could deer, be. yeah. Could be rabbit. Um, the lady across the road was telling me last night, because we were talking about wildlife, that, um, see, we've had a lot of foxes and she was saying they've had a lot of rabbits too. Mm. So whether rabbits, or not rabbits, yeah, they'll rabbits chew on the apple bark. Yeah, they they uh, they sharpen their teeth, or at least uh, around mm. on the bark. I only had a look at it yesterday because I thought the possums had eaten all the leaves because I didn't have um, the leaves come up. And when I looked at the bottom of the stem, the first twelve inches is all ring barked yeah, on yeah, the crab that, apple. That's yeah. that's rabbits, and I, you'll notice on nearly all of mine, Sue, that I've just got some wire around mm-hmm. the bottom. And that's to stop yeah. the rabbits ring barking my trees. So yeah, does that mean I have to, that I have to take that tree? That tree's gone now. If the tops died off, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And well, that, that close to the. Well, crowd. then, yeah. then yeah. I can put my Judas tree there because I'm looking for a place to put that. So it's not a forest in pansy, is it, Sue? No, no, <laughs> no, no. It's, I missed that one, Craig. You, 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 you should need to be listening earlier. Yeah, yeah. we was just saying that um, the Judas tree's good. The forest pansy's. I just don't no, think forest pansies. I wouldn't put pansies, a forest pansy here. I don't think they're very strong. No, it wouldn't suit my ground here because it gets too wet in winter. Yeah. Um, the other one I've actually got in, um, I temporarily put it into one of my veggie gardens to get the height up a bit because I thought I'd lost it and I've been growing it up. Which is? Um, and that's ready for a transplant now. That's the Judas tree? Yeah, actually, I don't think it's a good idea to transplant that now, is it? Crazy? No, Wait deciduous trees, you do with them at the end of winter. Yeah. Well, it's got, flat, it's got leaves on it now, on the Judas tree. How old is it? Um, I've had it for about two years, and it was in a 25-centimetre pot when I bought it. If you but feel I like... It- if you feel like you can get lots of roots up with it, it'll be okay. I think... But, yeah. I think given, but you're taking a risk. Sue, I think given that we're predicted to get rain... If you prepare, you know, if you prepare the soil well and it's got enough space, I think it will do it. But you must give it the space if it's. It's not very good soil there. But now that I have talking about tools, my new garden spade that Alan bought me at the um, plant fair, 
I can probably prepare an area, but it's opposite Christie's Garden, Virginia. There. I know exactly where mm. you want to put it. Yeah, what so you've got to do is make sure it has enough space so that it's not yep. competing while it's young. Yeah, yeah but you also have to understand the another. risk involved oh. in moving a deciduous tree when because it's, it's in leaf. Set leaf. Yeah. Yes, yep. I might wait until autumn yep. then and do it. Yes. No, 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 not because autumn, not autumn soon. Winter. End of August. Winter, okay. When, when you see the buds starting to swell. Yep. So that when you, so I'm that so that you damage the roots, and they start moving immediately. Okay, so not in dormancy, in other words. No. Yes. No. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, but um, if anybody's going to prop, I was just going to say, if anybody's going to propagate at home, except for salvias, salvias, I agree, they see the potting mix as soon as you get to the house, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, especially the big leaf salvias, you don't need propagation mix. But if you're going to do salvia greg eyes and microfillers, they like a much open uh, mixture. That's right, that's right. Thin. And you need, to, you need to let the cuttings dry out a bit. Yes, you do. Yeah. So with, with the one that I use, if you use the, I don't buy it in, we actually make it because we've tried buying it in and, it just doesn't work because there's such a variety of plants that we do. Mm. Um, I thought it's better to have a drier mix and water it more often than go the other way. Yeah. Because yeah. you want air in it. Yep, absolutely yep. you do. That goes for yeah. all potting mixes. So absolutely. this is the reason to use potting mix, to actually get propagating mix, I mean. Yes, mm-hmm. and it's very yeah. easy. I mean, it doesn't cost much if you buy a bag of perlite. Yeah. Um, and a bit and of Yeah, and the... Mind you, you need to test the peat too if you've got a pH test. But if you if you buy propagating mix and put the perlite through it, because peat in other countries peat is banned because it is such a bad. It's it's not renewable. It is Mm. not a renewable resource, so we can't be suggesting to our listeners that they use. Use cocoa peat. Yes. Mm. Yes. Well, we use cocoa peat. Yeah. Okay. So, but what I was saying is that the pH of the peat can quite often vary. So you want a you want a peat that's got a pH of about five point eight to six, because I ended up getting um, at one stage they brought in another brand of peat that had an eight pH, and perlite's got oh. seven, oh, and it's not much. a that's not a good. You want four point eight to you know five point five as a propagation mix. No yes. fertiliser either. Yeah, no fertiliser. And you so, would have had something that was incredibly alkaline then. That oh, it was disastrous. Yeah. Too, would have been good for broccoli. Do you know what happens? The uh, the medium doesn't drain when you end up with a change of pH. So when you have dry ground and you've got your, your, your five and six, you usually find your soil is quite hydrophobic, whereas when you go up the other way and you've got it in a propagation tray, the trays don't dry out. They stay wet and then you haven't got um, air for the uh, roots to grow. Mm. Thank you, Sue. Anyway, no worries and keep up with the great show. It's been very interesting listening. Oh, thanks, Dallin. See yeah, you great soon. show. Bye-bye. See you. Bye. 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 Now, we've no. got a few texts yeah. that we need to oh. be looking at too. Um, somebody's Edgeworthier has just appears to be... Biting the dust. Haha, <laughs> join the club. It's Angela in Belgrave. Yeah, I, I, look, I've tried, I've tried with, with Edgeworthy out four times. I usually have a three times policy, but I, you know, I really wanted it, but no. Nah. Five years is the most I've got. That's another one. 
I would suggest we throw to next week because Stephen will know. Stephen yep. loves yep. the word there, so I would um, text that same text in again next week. I I've, I've tried it all over my garden in semi-shade, full sun, good drainage, moist. And uh, your um, Belgrave, you, Angela's probably got something quite similar to you. Mm. No, a bit drier than us. Right. Yeah, oh, not, and not, not the not the. Um, the deep soil in right. I think, Angela, that I might ask that you text that message in again next week, if you don't mind. Because I think, you know, it's a bit yeah. hard. Um, how do you treat powdery mildew on roses? Well, what I do is I throw milk, one part milk to ten parts water over my roses, and that reduces the P- uh, raises the pH, and that can be quite successful. I mean, we're going to have a bad time this year with powdery mildew on grapes, on roses, on all sorts of things, Mm. just because it's been so wet. The other thing is with your roses, because of the wet, make sure that you prune out the middle, that you you make it possible for the every time the wind blows Mm. that it gets through those roses. If you've got things that are very... If they're crowded in around the outside or if the rose itself is very, very thick, prune it. You, you need airflow and try milk one to ten. I think that's reasonable. And we now have a call from Jill in East Melbourne. Good morning, Jill. Good morning. I wanted to tell that I've got the plant Jalap, which came on the first bleach from uh, Brazil, and it's got magenta flowers, my favourite colour. And I didn't even know its name until I did more research to do a presentation on PowerPoint on May the 6th at the Herb Society. So that was very exciting. But I have to tell you, my talk was on May the 6th and Jello Pony Flowers until about the third week in April with its magenta flowers. And now all the little plants have come up from because I let it just seed through my garden. It's my favourite colour, and it's a herb to regulate the elementary canal. So that's why it was brought on the first fleet because they had to bring their own herbal medicine. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, but I've got a question as well. Mm-hmm. I've been I've been trying to propagate black boy rose through cuttings without success. I've tried several times of the year. But have you got any tips for me? Well, I know that um, one of my neighbours always propagates his roses in the middle of winter with hardwood cuttings. Uh, But, I mean, I think there's good reason why they graft a lot of these hybrids. Yes. And, no, can't answer that question, and it's not one I'd throw to Stephen either, because we know he's very rude about roses. <laughs> you notice that okay. I'm sitting here being very quiet. <laughs> well, I, I bought two, I bought two roses, uh, and I know they came from the same source, and both were not the black boy rose. They were labelled such that they only had five ordinary red petals, not the forty plus crimson magenta petals. And, yes, I was very disappointed with them, and they're very thorny. And As, uh, have, they, uh, have you checked to see if they've come from beneath the graft? They, yes, of course I did. Hmm. They, 
they were above the graft. Uh, it's awful. Anyway, I've, I've put one on the fence because people keep picking my flowers. That's so I put mean. This awful yeah. prickly rose next to the fence, so anyone wants to see <laughs> the rose, they'll get a prickle. <laughs> Go, Jill. Yeah. Yes. It's called uh, Sweet Vengeance, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing I've got next to the fence now is dog bane. So if people want to pick that, they'll get a, a nasty, smelly fingers instead of a nice lavenderish. <laughs> Excellent. So it's called Protect Your Own Flowers. On a low, low fence. But people keep admiring my garden because it's magenta pink with a few other colours, but they're the major colours. So yeah. I might rush fun. you, Jill, because we've got another call and we've only got a few minutes left. Yes, okay. Well, a nice program. Thank you. Bye. Thank, Thank you, Bye. Jill. Bye. And we, we now have Lorraine from Croydon on line seven, and she has a bulb question for us. Hi, Lorraine. Hi. Hi. Enjoying the program and all your banter and chortling. Oh, we just <laughs> recognise which Lorraine it is. <laughs> Good. How are you? Um, I'm fine. Um, I have a Lycora Sprengeri that I got from you yep. um, a couple of years ago. The photograph looks stunning. Still, it didn't flower, um, and it just seems to be dying back now. Does that die back completely? Yes, so the leaves will die back completely um, soon. And should I repot it? Um, You can. How deep have you got it, Lorraine? It's um, got the neck above the the You could possibly put it a bit deeper, um, especially in a pot. Um, and as opposed to, because basically for those out there, Lycoris are the Asian version of South African Nareens. Um, and they they can actually have a lot more food than a Nareen can tolerate. Oh, really? Um, so you could repot it very soon um, and actually put all of the neck under the surface as well so that you've actually got soil over the top of and it. And put compost in the mix? Um, no, I just just a regular normal potting mix is perfectly all right. They're they're not particularly fussy on what sort of potting mix. They are fussy on a clay soil, but most people's garden soil is um, good enough. It's trying to get it to flower, and okay. I would suggest that you put a little bit of garden lime in as well. Oh, okay. I wouldn't on your nerines or anything, but lycoris, yeah. Anyway, and they they don't mind a lot more. Um, I'd leave moisture, but I'd leave it dry now till Christmas, like if you repot it, just mm-hmm. leave it dry, and then give it a good soak early January, um, because, you know, the red one, radiata, grows at the end of the rice paddies. All on oh. the banks yeah. between the rice uh, paddies. Just absolutely stunning. Yeah. It's this massive red. So it can tolerate um, having a lot more water is, than is your marines can. variety, the red one? Radiata. Radiata, okay. Yeah. Okay, thank you for that. But really some, some food, some lime, and a little bit then. deeper, honey. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. No worries. Bye. Bye. Right. That was some um, very nice to talk she's, to Lorraine. She's fabulous, isn't yes. she? Lorraine oh. was also selling oh. plants on, at my place on the first day of my open garden. Yeah. But, but all her money goes to an orphanage. Um, in Africa, and they're about to build a library or something. No, they're, they're, was it? they're going to. They're developing a bakery. Bakery. A bakery in yeah. Sierra Leone. Yeah. 
and she's been doing it for about 25 years. Yeah. Well, that's so a she troubled part of the world. Propagating yeah. plants and selling them for oh. charity. Yeah. Yes, so no, she's a wonderful person. Yeah. Now, we've had a text message from Kerry in Port Melbourne who had planted a rhododendron two and a half months ago and it appears to be dying. It's in a protected situation, but it's on sandy soil. She's given it compost and blood and bone. You just don't grow rhododendrons in Port Melbourne. She should have come to me. I would have told her not to buy it Absolutely. immediately. It's too hot. It is. Yeah. Well, I tell you, it's sea level for a start. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I think, I think that's right. And I have to say, Craig, I think more nurserymen should actually say that is not appropriate for you. I often... Could we, give, could we give her a suggestion then, Craig, or what she might uh, put look, in there? Look, I'd try a variety. Yeah, that's true too, yeah. which are now... Yeah, yeah. And, and, and with the variety, you can grow them in a lump of tree fern. The varia rhododendron yeah. they're talking about. So yeah. we're talking mm. about the rhododendron that comes from a much more tropical climates. Yeah, the tropical as mm. opposed to the Asiatics. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yes, that would be much... Because I've taken out the main rhododendron at my place because it's too hot. It's, it's the wind at your place too. Yes, but, um, you know, I'm going to be cooler than mm. Port Melbourne. No, definitely. And, yes. and the, I mean, the sand, it, would, it wouldn't matter how much compost, compost you put in, in you've still got sandy soil and the rhododendrons would hate it. Yep. Mm. Mm. Yeah. They do come from the Himalayas, after yeah, all. Yeah. So we're sorry. Yeah. Yep, wrong plant, and whoever sold it to you should have actually asked where you are going to put it. I think. And well, there's not, well, as you said before, we, we create a lot more people need to do that. There's plenty of people that say to me, I live in Brunswick, why can't my Lula the Valley flower? I'm like, you, you just can't. It's not cold enough. It's, yeah. And it's being honest rather than somebody buy something and it die, and it's just disappointing. I mean, if somebody comes in and they're buying a salvia, it's going to grow pretty in, much yeah. anywhere. If somebody comes in and they're buying a rhododendron, first question is, where, where do, do you, you live? live? And, they, and some people get a bit affronted. They sort of go, well, why? Yeah, I'm a good gardener. Right. And it's like, oh, I understand you're a good gardener, but your garden is somewhere that yeah. won't tolerate this. Well, Craig does it to me all the time. I say, oh, <laughs> I might have that, Craig. He says, no, yep. not for you. <laughs> and I do appreciate it. Yeah. Because especially when you're buying some, a, a shrub or a tree, if you buy something, you put it in, you wait, you hope. Well, it takes a while. Caller. It's two months it's, later and mm, it's dead. Got, that's not fair. But from a nurseryman's perspective, it's logical because you want your customers to come back. back. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and, and not come back with a dead rhododendron. That's box. right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. I think rhododendron, the rhododendron garden, after all, the botanic garden is in the Dandenongs. Come, come up here in the middle of October yeah. and enjoy them. They are everywhere. You go and bother text yeah. at the. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, the rhododendron garden. It's it was originally set up by the rhododendron society. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. it is absolutely excellent. Yeah. But yeah. it's cold, it's high, and it's mm. got deep soils. Yeah. yeah. And it's got deer. Really, if I was living in Port Melbourne, I'd be growing West Australian natives or something that likes the sand. Mm. Yeah. That's true, because some of those West Australian natives oh, superb. are so beautiful. I, and I just cannot grow mm. them in my clay. Yeah, same. Oh, we're can't too, do it. Yeah, we're yeah. too cold. Mm. Yeah. Which is sad. Mm. It's sad. But, um, so I th- I'm afraid that's, that's a, a, negative a negative on that, that yeah. rhododendron. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and West Australian natives... I don't think there's a lot of very large leaf things that you'd be looking to grow in Port Melbourne either. Fatsia? Oh, yes, I suppose. I reckon fatsia mm. would grow. I don't like it, so I wouldn't Oh, grow. I do. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. <laughs> yes, yeah. I th- I, but it is. You, and it's one of my rules. You have to look up where a plant comes from Yeah. and to work out whether you can grow and it. Knowing the origin of a plant is crucial. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I spend a lot of time doing that, mm-hmm. looking up and seeing that yet again I've bought something that's inappropriate. <laughs> Listen, before and we've all done it. Yeah. Before we go, yeah. Cranesville geraniums are looking a bit scrappy now. They've been flowering for ages. Get out the hedging shears and cut them off at the ground. Oh. And they'll regenerate and potentially flower oh, again. And if they don't flower again, you get a nice crop of foliage. Yep. Yeah, but rather than having them looking scruffy for the rest of summer. Excellent. And we're about to go. It's been a great show. Thank you very much. Jane Tonkin, Craig from Gentiana Nursery, and me, Virginia Hayward. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.